right, we're going to be in Joshua 1 in just a minute. Joshua 1, I can never, I can never see this passage without thinking of uh, when Pastor Ward organized my uh, ordination service and had Pastor David Reagan in. Joshua chapter 1, and David Reagan preached from this passage, and I mean... I never heard him fire it up like he did that day. Amen. This is a great, uh, a great passage and needs needs more attention. We probably don't give it the attention that we should. This time when Moses, the great leader, and Moses is one of your absolute top characters in the Bible and history, and he's gone. Let me tell you something. That is a transition. When you lose somebody like Moses, that the Lord's own testimony was, there arose not again a prophet in Israel like unto Moses. Right. Don't you know there were some people in Israel that hung their heads and went, oh no. It is very rare that you get two back to back like Moses and Joshua. Amen. Boy was Israel blessed. So let's read about this transition. Joshua 1 verse 1. After the death of Moses the servant of the Lord it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Sometimes you just need to say something that's obvious to remind you of all the ramifications of it. The Lord's not saying it here because Joshua hasn't heard. I assure you, Joshua knows. He's saying it because it needs to be reviewed in his mind. If Moses is dead and he's gone and he's off the scene, there's going to be some stuff fall on your shoulder. And as your parents pass away, and as your people in leadership position pass away, you need to realize that uh, it might be a little more work on you. Ah, oh, but if you're in the will of God, it's a blessed work. Amen. Now, there's troubles, there's headaches. There's tr I'm not, not going to sit here and tell you it's all rolling out a red carpet. But it's the best life there could ever be. Amen. You get in the will of God, it's as good as life gets down here this side of it. That's true. So he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. I, I can't help but think about when uh, I was a young man and uh, we had President Reagan. And after the malaise of the liberal 70s, lo and behold, here Reagan came. And I remember I was on up in college and uh, he served his two terms and here came somebody else. And I remember thinking, oh no. All I knew when I was old enough to understand anything about politics was Reagan. That was all I knew. And I remember the history teacher handing us out recordings of his last little State of the Union address and everything. And I, was, I remember how nervous I felt that the country was going on without Reagan. Well, do that times about 10 or maybe 50 for Israel, I'm sure, or some of them thinking, what are we going to do without Moses? Verse 2 of Joshua 1, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them. Ah, oh, there's an answer to some of your worries. It wasn't Moses' work. Now Moses was a great man. Definitely one of my heroes. But it wasn't Moses' idea. This was God's idea. Which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. 
from the wilderness in this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to half the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. I want to preach uh, this evening on Joshua's courage. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you come down and bear witness to the truth of your word, and I pray that we'd learn some things and give us some courage and help us to have some of the success that Joshua had. And Lord, we know it wouldn't be us really having it. It'll be you giving it. And I pray we understand that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to say this evening that there are discernible characteristics of godly courage which God's people should note and develop. Now, you ought to notice some things out of this passage that will keep you going. I promise you, if you stay saved <laughs> for a long time, and I've said that tongue-in-cheek, of course you'll stay saved, but if you live a long time after you're saved, there will come times you don't feel like going on. Oh, yeah. You will get discouraged. You'll get frustrated. Some things won't seem to be working, and it's going to take some courage to go on. And sometimes it'll be the enemy fighting, and sometimes it'll be other Christians, and they're not doing things right, and you should have known that going in, but that seems like a real newsflash to, <laughs> to some people. What? I didn't know the Baptists would talk about me like that. <laughs> well, stupid, what would you think? <laughs> you think humans was going to all do stuff right? What in the world? I knew better than that when I was seven years old. <laughs> How in the world can you be grown and think that? But be that as it may, uh, you're going to have to get some courage and you have to go on. Now, the first time Israel came to this point of entry into the promised land, they shrank back in fear of giants. And they had nobody less than Moses leading them. I mean, Moses himself. The one that God said, there arose not again a prophet in Israel like unto Moses. And he couldn't even get them through. So now they come back. When Moses is gone, they short them. Some of them, I'm sure, thought, there's no way we'll get across. There's no way we'll do it. God just let a whole generation die in the wilderness due to their unbelief under Moses. Nobody greater than Moses. Now Joshua is the newly appointed replacement for Moses, and he has to come right back to a place where Moses failed. 
you want to call it that, and go take over Canaan. What in the world would get Joshua through this? Here's what. Remembering it was God's job, not his. Uh, now, once in a while, when you just heard a real stirring message, and you're all fired up, and you've sung Wave the Answer Back to Heaven and all those kinds of songs, you're pretty fired up, and, and for, you know, 20 minutes or so, you're ready to storm the devil. <laughs> but now, this thing go on about 20 years. <laughs> you're going to get tired out from time to time. Oh, yes. And something is going to have to step up. Here's what will do it. Remembering you don't have to do it. As a matter of fact, if you try, let me just tell you, you will fail. <laughs> but God is doing this work. Here's what you do. You just figure out what God's doing, and you get in there and help Him. Quit thinking that you need to get in here and go take Canaan. <laughs> you will not be able to conquer Canaan. <laughs> Spoiler alert, do I really have to tell you that? You know if Canaan is going to be taken, God's going to do it. But here's where you come in. You can have a part in it. Amen, that's good. Now, that's what Joshua got. And he got it because of this greatest um, motivational speech, probably, that's ever been given to a military group. You know how you'll see these war movies, these army movies? And uh, they'll really fire you up, you know, and they'll give a great speech to these soldiers and get them all fired up. You won't find a better one than Joshua 1. Because that's, that, that's, that's the greatest general of them all, God, giving it to his man. And uh, when, when Joshua realized that, that's what, that's what took the... It put some responsibility on Joshua, but not the whole responsibility on Joshua. Learn that when you're in a leadership position. There is some responsibility on you, and you need to take it serious. But all the responsibility is not on you. This is God's work, not yours. All you need to do is fulfill your role. In that great movie that Bob Jones put out, Sheffy, it tells about that poor evangelist, Sheffy. And he was used to the Lord reaching people through those big camp meetings. And the camp meetings were going down, and they weren't as well attended, and then some... Vandal comes and ends up burning the place down. <laughs> and Sheffy's running around trying to save the campground. You know what? Don't bother trying to save the campground. Just find what God is doing and fulfill your role in it. And about worried him to death. And at the end, he finally had to accept that. Now, I don't know what all kinds of transitions we're going through in this country, but sure enough, some things were changing. Rather than us running all around trying to save the campground, Let's just find what God is doing and fulfill our role right there. Amen. So God remembered Joshua's human frailty. That's another good thing about the Lord. Now, I, I, I try to be honest and tell you both sides of it. And I, I promise you, He will absolutely wear you out once in a while if you're one of His children. Now, let me tell you something else. He'll love on you and take care of you sometimes, too, if you're one of his children. <laughs> he does both. That's called being a good father. <laughs> and uh, he'll do it. And he, he saw Joshua, and he said, man, this is a big task for Joshua, especially knowing that Moses failed right here at this same place. <laughs> and he, he goes to Joshua, and he cheers him up and encourages him, and three times says, be courageous. Remember, he told him as one of the 12 spies, be courageous. And he told him again when he first told him he was going to be Moses' successor in Deuteronomy, 
be courageous. And now he tells him in chapter 1 of Joshua three times, be courageous. So let's look at godly courage. All right, the first thing I'll look at is the ground of courage. What is the ground of it or the basis of it? Uh, here's, it's found in a nutshell in verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that, look at it, the Lord spake. Your confidence, your courage is, if it's good and if it's right, is only based on one thing and one thing only. Did God say it? If God didn't say it, I wouldn't count on it. I don't care how much money is behind you. I don't care how many people are behind you. I don't care how many votes you got. You better not count on something that God didn't say. But if God did say it, your worries are over. You go forth with 100% confidence. In a nutshell, the ground of courage is the Lord spake. You be sure what you believe and what you live and what you act on is based on God's word, what God said. All right, secondly, it says the Lord spake, look at these next two words, unto Joshua. Joshua had a personal relationship with the Lord. Amen. Now, I've talked about that great epitaph that the Lord wrote for Moses when he said, There arose not again a prophet in Israel like unto Moses whom the Lord knew face to face. Moses had a relationship with God like nobody else. That didn't mean Joshua couldn't have a real good one. Amen. Now, maybe you won't quite have the prayer life that, um, oh, the guy that had all the orphanages in Mueller. Bristol, Mueller. Maybe you won't have the prayer life that Mueller had. Good night. His was incredible. It would come mealtime. They didn't have any food to give all the orphans. He'd get down and pray, and a truck would stop out by the door and say, oh, well, this bread's about to go bad. Can we give you guys this bread? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've never seen Amen. the like of the stories with George Mueller's prayer life. I mean, it just, bam! And I don't mean two or three times either. It was unreal. Now, maybe you won't have the prayer life of George Mueller, but you can have a real good one. <laughs> real good, where God shows up. And it says, the Lord spake, and it says, unto Joshua. All right, uh, verse 2. I've already pointed this out a little bit. It's, look at this phrase toward the end of it. It says, the land which I do give to them. The right and the authority is God's. If you're out there doing a work, you be sure you're doing a work God said to do. And it's his work. It's up to him how he gets it done. Uh, he has said that Israel would get this land, so buddy, they're getting the land. He has told you in the church age to be spreading the word of God. You get out and start spreading the word of God. That's his work. It's not your job to make it happen. It's just your job to fulfill your role. The right and the authority is God's. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against it? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. You just be sure you're on God's side. Then you can have all the confidence you ever need. All right, the Lord spake. He spake unto Joshua, and he spake about the land which I do give them. It's his right and his authority to do it. And then one of the greatest promises you could ever give a military man, look at this, verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Now, what, what possible worry do you have in the military if God himself promises not one man can stand before you your whole life? Good night. 
I mean, you talk about a rock-solid promise. You talk about removing all obstacles. If you believe God, you don't have anything to worry about at all. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee. And how long? All the days of thy life. Psalm 92 says, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. There's a lot of older saints that get thinking. Well, that was the Lord blessing me back then. I'm, I'm too old for that now. I'll tell you something, God can use you. If nothing else, like that hymn we sang this morning, you can still be in the battle in the sacred place of prayer. My goodness, if all you're doing, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, if all you're doing is praying, you may be doing the most important thing of all. Amen, that's true. It's not a all you're doing is praying. It may be absolutely the most precious thing. But it says, they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. I love this phrase. They shall be fat and flourishing. God knows that your metabolism slows down as you age. So he says you can be fat and flourishing. <laughs> I am not giving anybody permission for gluttony here. All right, um, all the days of thy life, it even goes into old age. Then verse 5, I will not fail thee. What a wonderful thing. God has just said nobody can stand before you. Well, what if, oh, wait a minute, Lord, that's just based on your word. I will not fail you. Matthew 28, 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I mean, he's given us some great promises that just yeah. go out indefinitely. God forgive us for not having more confidence. God forgive yeah. me. I don't know how many times over my life I've just chickened out. <laughs> I really have. You know what my problem is? I wasn't I wouldn't real close to God in reviewing all these promises. He gives wonderful promises. And admittedly, the ones he's given uh, Joshua are unbelievable. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it to bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God has promised his word will get the job done. The Word of God will do the work of God. And if the Word of God is left out, the work of God isn't going to happen. It's going to be uh, some counterfeit. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And he says in verse 6, Thou divide the land. So the Lord does use human leaders. Don't think that it's when I say God's doing the work that you go sit on the couch. No, you have to go out there and do some organizing. You're going to have to go up there and divide it. You're going to have to say, okay, Dan, you get here. Judah, you get here. Benjamin, you get here. You're going to have to lay some things out. You're going to have to make a plan. It's not that it's easy on you. It's just you're not the one finally responsible for it. He does use a human leader. Furthermore, he said, uh, I don't want you just out on your own like you're the great thing. He says, it's the land that I swear unto their fathers. He says in verse 7, my servant commanded thee. Yes, you look back at what God said to the fathers. You look back at what the Lord said to Moses. Moses was a great man. Some of those fathers did have great promises from the Lord. Don't 
remove yourself from all of your history. One reason I try to emphasize Baptist history is we have a great heritage. Oh, and yeah. the Lord used them greatly. And if we can get into that, oh man, that's a wonderful blessing. I've stood on street corners before and said, where is the God of Titus Lane? Where is the God of Shubal Stearns? I sure have. I swear unto their fathers and my servant commanded thee. And now verse 9, he brings it back to uh, Joshua. He says, have not I commanded thee? Yes, I talked to those fathers. Yes, I talked to Moses. But I'm talking to you right now. Now, I, I'm proud if uh, we parents or we church members have some influence on this younger generation that's coming up and they want to serve the Lord and play music for Him and preach for Him and teach for Him and do whatever it is they want to do for Him. But there's only so much they can get from us. At some point, they're going to have to get out a Bible and hear from God individually. Now, I don't, I don't want them to go to either extreme. You don't want to go on one extreme and get rid of the past because God used some people in the past. Nor do you want to go to the uh, other extreme and just completely rely on the past. You need God talking to you today. You don't need the original manuscripts. You need to hear from the Lord hey. right now. Amen. Those original manuscripts don't do you a bit of good today. Bob Jones Sr. said, Back of God's commands... He puts omnipotence. So that's the ground of courage. And the short version is, the Lord spake it. All right, now let's look at the action of courage. Uh, first thing is, you have to decide that you personally will do something for God. How they must have felt, Moses bringing them out of Egypt and through the wilderness and a whole generation of them gone. And now it's time to take the next step and they're losing their leader. You need to decide that you personally will do something for God. One of these days, all your leaders, all the people you look up to will be gone. You know what the Lord says to him? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go. You're going to have to decide you want to do something, and you're going to have to move. Here's one of the drawbacks of sitting in a Bible-believing Baptist church. And I love Bible-believing Baptist churches. And you know I'm all for Bible-believing Baptist churches. But there are advantages and disadvantages to anything that has a human involved in it. Amen. And one of the disadvantages to sitting in a Bible-believing Baptist church is you're sitting in a Bible-believing Baptist church. You don't need to sit. You need to get up and do something. You need to, you need to have a ministry. You need to have something you get up and go do. Amen. And sitting in a pew is a real good thing as long as you don't stop there. And he tells him, arise, go. You know when he called Moses? When Moses was active. He was leading. He was one of the movers and shakers in Pharaoh's administration. You know when he called David? When David was keeping sheep for his dad. You say, wait a minute. Moses was a leader in a great empire's administration and David was watching a few sheep for his daddy it doesn't matter how big the job is it matters if you're being faithful at it that's right and I put Moses and David up against any leaders any time in history amen Moses came from one extreme David came from the other and both of them unbelievable what they did unbelievable the question is not what are you doing 
The question is, are you being faithful at what you're doing? Good point. Very good point. Elisha was plowing a field when the Lord called him. You know why I'm sure the Lord isn't calling none of us? <laughs> you sit there, the Lord isn't going to call you to do a thing. He calls somebody plowing the field. He calls somebody outside in the field tending sheep. He calls somebody that's running an administration and conquering Ethiopians. He doesn't call somebody sitting. That's right. Decide to be active. All right, verse 2. Now, this is real important. Look at the wording in about the middle of the verse. Go over this Jordan. What does it imply when he says this Jordan? It implies he's standing right there at it and saying, this Jordan. That reminds me to say this. Start where you are. I'm real bad about this. All right, now as soon as I get to this such and such income level, as soon as I graduate, as soon as I get married, as soon as the kids grow up, as soon as I retire, as soon as I've got more free time, that's not how you serve God. <laughs> you start where you are. Now, Amen. admittedly, there are some things you can't do while you have other responsibilities going. But there's a bunch that you can. Yeah. And I don't even think that you need to do a bunch of things. <clears throat> I think you need to take one or maybe two and be faithful at them. If you'll take one or maybe two and be faithful at them, you'll be surprised what God will do rather than you take on ten and barely ever get to some of them. <laughs> Just pick one or two and be faithful. And you start right where you are. This Jordan. Now, that brings up another problem. What about the obstacles? The Lord says, all right, start serving me this Jordan. Oh, well, I would, Lord, but there's a river here. I can't go well. <laughs> I would. I was going to go, but there's a river there. <laughs> There's always going to be an obstacle there. The Lord will never, ever tell you to do something you can do. Every single time, there's going to be an obstacle that seemingly makes it impossible. <laughs> oh, man. If the Lord ever tells you to do something that you can do, it ain't the Lord. <laughs> he always says, all right, go over Jordan. Well, I'm not a fish. <laughs> I can't get across Jordan. <laughs> there will always be a perfect excuse if you don't want to do it. Uh, when they got past there, guess what they're going to see? Giants. Well, I'm not a giant. I can't fight giants. The Lord wouldn't expect me to defeat giants. By the way, a lot of that stuff is real fake. Run the references on giants in your Bible and see how many battles they won. You say, yeah, the Lord gave it. The Lord didn't even give victory over giants. When pagan societies that didn't even know God fought the giants, they beat them every time. The giants never win a battle in the whole Bible. Against God's people or against pagan people? Let me tell you about giants. They're losers. They're totally defeated. You know how the person that never loses, we call them undefeated? Well, the giants are totally defeated. I don't know why they ever bothered fighting. They never beat not one person. It's like, it's like that joke in the, in the Star Wars movies, you know, the, the uh, what do you call those bad guys? The stormtroopers. They never shoot anybody. 
Here will come Luke Skywalker and Han Solo running, and here will come 50 stormtroopers all shooting at them, and they all get away from them every time. <laughs> and people always make jokes about that. Boy, the stormtroopers can't hit nobody. Well, that's the way the giants are. They couldn't win any battles. If the Amorites fought them, they beat them. If the, I mean, everybody beat them. But at first glance, when you see giants, you know what you say? You say, well, they're giants. I'm not a giant. I can't beat them. A lot of times when you actually get in there and fight, and fight, you find out they're not what they thought they would be. But at first he sees a river. Second, he sees giants. Oh, and then there's these big walls around Jericho. Anybody remember that story? Yep. I mean, we can't overcome. I mean, we were going to get Jericho. We were trying to obey you, Lord, but there's walls there we can't get over. I mean, there's this crazy guy who says, just walk around it, and somehow that's going to help. I don't know what that's going to do. You're going to have to decide whether you want to obey God or not. Right. I, there will be a river there. There will be giants there. And there will be walls there. Are you going to obey God? Oh, boy. Very good point. In spite of obstacles, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. 2 Corinthians 4, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word, how? In much affliction. Oh, everything I do is going to be in a much affliction? Yeah, but the very next phrase is, with joy of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> this Bible is such a balanced book. Much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Right back to back with only a comma separating. What a strange, what a strange book. In spite of obstacles, you say, well, okay, so God can overcome those obstacles, but guess what? Moses could have too, and Moses failed here. That's what the Lord will have to talk you through sometimes. You tried this before and failed. I'm just gonna fail again, ain't I, Lord? Well, what if he's telling you to do it? It'll be in spite of obstacles. It'll be in spite of past failures. All right, I'll tell you something else about the uh, action of courage. Verse 2, he says, Arise, go for this Jordan, thou, look at it, and all this people. Take some people with you. Don't go completely by yourself. Now, once in a while, nobody will go. I, I promise you, if you are a missionary to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, you're going to get very few converts. <laughs> okay. You're not going to get many at all in Saudi Arabia. You, you, there's a good chance you'll be all alone. But most places in the world, you can take a few people with you. Good and boy. he tells him, he says, uh, Thou and all this people. All right, now look at verse 3. He said, um, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Look at verse uh, 8, the end of the verse. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So there's something he can do that will influence his success. He said, all right, now wherever your foot treads upon, I'm going to give to you. Well, that means you've got to go out here with a plan to walk on all this area and take it over. I've known some preachers that claim places. They'd walk around the thing and say, okay, Lord, give it to me. 
<laughs> I don't know that it's that literal, but nevertheless, that is what he told Joshua. Furthermore, he said that at the end of verse 8, thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You do have a part in this. Yes, it's God's work, but there's something you can do that I promise you if you'll do it, I'll, I'll make sure you have success. So it takes some effort and some planning. It takes you observing God's law and obeying God's law, verse 7. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Uh, talk about God's book. Look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If something is in your mind and heart, you end up talking about it. We all know this about people that we know and love. You fill your mind with the word of God and you'll end up talking about it. So that's the action of courage. You get up. You get going. You take some people with you. You start right where you are. Don't worry about the obstacles. Let God worry about them. You just start obeying Him the best you know how. And if He tells you to do something weird like just walk around the city over and over and over and over, He must have a reason for it. Just do it. If He tells you to go fight giants, just go fight giants. And then after the fact, find out they, they never actually want to battle anywhere in the whole Bible anyway. I mean, you talk about losers, man. I, they never win anything. But at first, it won't look like that. At first, it'll look like, well, there's no way in the world I can beat this guy. I mean, David and Goliath. David and his mighty men and the brothers of Goliath. They never win not one time. Literally, not once. All right, now the mind of courage. We've seen the ground or the basis of courage. We've seen the action of courage. And make no mistake about it, you've got to start moving. You can only listen to so many documentaries about something. You can only read so many books about it. You can only watch so many, you know, YouTube how-to videos. At some point, you've got to get out your wrench and do it. Amen. At some point, you've got to work. The action of courage. And then third, the mind of courage. The mind of courage. What's going on in the mind of somebody that's got some courage? All right, look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt, here it is, meditate therein day and night. Just sit and think about it. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You know what you love? What you think about all the time. That's true. You remember when you was courting the one you married? You thought about them a lot, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you remember when you was really pushing for that next promotion and you was real excited about it? You thought about it a lot, didn't you? When you really loved that ball team, when you really loved that sweetheart, when you really loved that promotion, when you really loved that sport, that, that pastime, that entertainer, you think about them. You read about them. You know how many times they've been married, and it's always more than one or two, isn't it? <laughs> you know how many, you know everything about them. Why? You sit and think about it. If you love God, you know what you do? You talk to Him and think about Him. If you love the Bible, you sit and think about it. There's no doubt about it. Meditate therein day and night. So you meditate about it all the time. Psalm 1, verse 2. 
see if I can find my reference on that. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth his fruit in his season. What is the phrase on hunting there on this? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. It's all the time. Uh, Psalm 55, 17 talks about day and night. Things that you do all the time thinking about God. Uh, Acts 28, 23. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. Psalm 55, 17, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Here's the difference between somebody that God is all over and somebody that's just saved. Somebody that God is all over sitting and thinking about God all the time. Morning, noon, evening, day, night, all the time. And that phrase shows up a number of places in the Bible. Day and night, the Bible says that widows are praying. Day and night, Paul said he was praying for the people. Day and night, the Bible says the devil is accusing us. Day and night, the damned souls are tormented, not resting. There are some things going on day and night, and we need to be involved in God's battles day and night. Amen, that's a good point. Mind of courage is meditate on God's book all the time and remember God's word. All right, let's read 2 Peter right quick. Second Peter 1. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. I hope, if the Lord tarries, which I hope he doesn't, but if he does... I hope that some things I've said and lived are still remembered a long time after I'm gone. Amen. Second uh, Peter chapter three. 2 Peter chapter three, verse one. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. You need to remember. <laughs> These things. Jude 5, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Oh, I, I, I feel rebuked every time I read verse 5 of Jude. He says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this. Oh, there's so many times in my life somebody needed to remind me of something that I used to know. Oh, it's a shame. Oh, we need to stay in the book. Oh, we need to stay in church. Oh, we need to keep singing the songs of Zion. You know why? It'll remind us of some stuff that it is easy to forget. Yes, remind me. Remind me, dear Lord. That's the mind of courage. Now in closing, let's look at the face of courage. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. <laughs> so if you're courageous and you know it, your face will show it. All right, the first thing I notice about the face is it's a determined face. Chapter uh, 1 of Joshua, verse 7. 
He says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant command thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. When you turn, what does that mean? That means you're facing that way. Have a determined face that is not going to turn to the left or the right. You're just going to keep standing on God's plan, on God's trail. This face does not turn. Now, of course, if it's going the wrong way, it needs to turn. He says in Ezekiel 14, 6, turn away your faces from all your abominations. But if you're on God's trail, don't turn your face. Isaiah 50, for the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Luke 9, 51, when the time was come, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. If the Lord Jesus was like most of us humans, don't you know when he got thinking about what he was facing up there at Calvary, he could have turned his face another way? He said, no, wait a minute. That's God's plan for me. And he set his face to go. And he said it, it offended the Samaritans. Didn't matter. God had said move on. Now, the Lord Jesus was loving and helped a lot of people. But when his father told him to move on, he set his face and he went and just let the Samaritans be offended, didn't he? He didn't go, oh, I didn't know it'd make you mad. <laughs> no, God told him to go to Jerusalem. He set his face there. If God told you to do something, you set your face there. It's a determined face. All right, secondly, it is a fearless face. Look at verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. It's a fearless face, be not afraid. Hebrews 13, verse 5, uh, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be with content with such things as you have. And he goes on in the next verse to say, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. As long as you know you've got God on your side, now yeah, you might have to go through some annoying things, you might have to go through some painful things, but you do not fear. The fear of man bringeth a snare. It's a determined face, it's a fearless face. I'll, t I'll even go this far and be such a happy, positive guy. It's an optimistic face. He says in verse uh, 9, Be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. He said, I know the Lord's going to give me victory to some degree, to some extent. I know there's joy in serving Jesus. I know there's success that's been promised to me. It's an optimistic face. I looked up that word dismayed. It means loss of courage from dislike or fear. You know what you can do? You can get looking forward and going, oh, I don't like that. Oh, I'm scared of facing that and lose your courage. You know what the Lord told him? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. It's a determined face, a fearless face, an optimistic face. Here's a good one. It's a content face. You got everything you need. One time Bob Jones Sr., as he was running Bob Jones University during the bad days of the Depression, was uh, you know, they were running low of funds and it was always a struggle and come up with enough things to feed the students and they were happy one time they got a bunch of collards <laughs> and somebody said BJC that doesn't stand for Bob Jones College it stands for big juicy collards that's all they've got around here <laughs> 
But he was struggling and trying to make ends meet and trying to bring in enough money, and it was just a mess. And he owed debts, and you know all of the people that he was counting on to pay him couldn't pay him because they was in the depression, which meant he couldn't pay a couple of his, and now he just didn't know what to do. And uh, finally it occurred to him one time, wait a minute, we've got God. If we've got God, we've got what we need. And that was how he finally got through that. A content face is one that realizes the Lord thy God is with thee. Hebrews 13, 5 says it this way. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. But listen to the explanation of that. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Being content with such things as you have is inextricably connected to I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It doesn't say be content with such things as you have, period, end of sentence, end of chapter, end of book. It says be content with such things as you have for I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. There's where your contentment comes. You won't be content with such things as you have if you don't have the Lord. American Christian. How many electronic screens do you need? How much food do you need? How much money do you need? How nice of a house do you need? How many vehicles do you need? How many recreations do you need? Good night. It's ridiculous what all we have and still aren't satisfied. Americans who have, I think, more than anybody's ever had are about as covetous as any group has ever been. That's true. For them to be that discontent, you know what I'm pretty sure? I'm pretty sure them and the Lord aren't real close. Amen. Because he says, be content with such things as you have, for I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. If you're feeling his presence, you don't need a whole lot more. No wonder he can say, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. If you've got food and raiment and the Lord with you, that is absolutely everything you need. Now, I'm not saying that food and raiment is all you'll ever want. As far as I know, Christians have always had even more than that. But if you can be content with food and raiment and the Lord's presence, wow, have you found great riches. So it's a determined face, a fearless face, an optimistic face, a content face. Then it's a confident face. You know what is attractive? Somebody that is confident. Not cocky or arrogant, although with some people that doesn't hurt, <laughs> but just confident. You just know that the Lord is with you and everything's going to be okay. Even if you go to jail, He'll be with you. Even if you die, He's taking you home to glory. Amen. You can be confident that way. Verse 9, He says, Whithersoever... Thou goest. Now, one of the things that you'd be scared about, if just looking at it through human eyes, is seeing all these Canaanites and all those giants and all those walls and all those armies and think, well, I, okay, let's say I do defeat Ai. Can I defeat Jericho? Well, let's say I do Jericho. Can I get the whole confederation of kingdoms from the north coming down on me? The Lord said, whithersoever thou goest. I don't care which battle you're in. I'm with you. No wonder it can be a confident face. 
All right, what have we seen tonight? We've seen the ground of courage, the Lord's faith. We've seen the action of courage. You get up and start moving. We've seen the mind of courage, sits and thinks about God and His Word. We've seen the face of courage. It's a determined and fearless and optimistic and content and confident face. The characteristics of godly courage is all over this chapter. It's a great chapter for anybody, especially a young man. It was grounded in God and His Word. It was an active courage. It was a courage that filled the mind and influenced the thinking. And last, it was a courage that showed in the face. Now I want to ask you this. Do you have the courage to do right in these last days? It's going to get harder. It's going to get harder. It is not going to get easier. I'm not saying that to be a Debbie Downer, as they say. I'm not saying that to be negative, a prophet of doom. It just will get more difficult. I, I, I read my scriptures and my prophecy, and there's no doubt it's not about to get easier to serve Jesus on, on this earth. That's not, that's not what the prophetic scriptures say. In the last days, perilous times shall come. It, it, it might get you killed. Do you have the courage to serve God and do right in these last days? After you've spent time with Jesus to fall in love with Him, the next obstacle to overcome in a victorious Christian life is to establish Godly courage. And the heart of it, if I wanted to summarize everything I've said tonight in one phrase, it would be this. Remember that He is with you. If I could summarize it all, it's remember God is with you. You talk to Him. You read your Bible. You pray. You praise Him. You sing to Him. You do all those things that God loves from His people. God inhabits the praise of His people. You start praising Him and He will show up. He likes being talked about. Have you ever been in a crowd of people? Have you ever been at work? Have you ever been at school and you heard some people talking and they were obviously talking about you and you wanted to make sure that your side of the story got told and you came up <laughs> to defend yourself or explain something or something? Let me tell you something. You start praising God, He shows up. He inhabits the praises of His people. I am with thee. Through the fire, the old song we used to sing said, Through the fire, through the flood, you are covered by the blood. I am with thee. When through the deep waters I cause thee to go, the rivers of woe shall not thee overflow. For I will be with thee thy troubles to bless and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. But when you see those deep waters coming, sometimes it's hard to remember that. When you see the fire coming, it's hard to remember that. <laughs> but if you can get in the fiery furnace and Jesus with you, you will not be hurt. Amen. The thing to remember, if you don't remember anything else from this message is, the way you have courage is remember God's Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study your word.